0: and sit down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to say is... Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I'm speaking with myself, number one. Because I have a very good brain, and I've said a lot of things.
1: Happy anniversary (laughs) to us. One year. It's one year since the first Barstool Politics. Yes. It's been such a fun ride. It it has been. And now (laughs) we're picking up the pace.
0: That feels crazy.
1: It is. Yeah. It Uh, it feels
0: like we've been doing this forever, but at the same time, I would never have guessed we're at a year. Now, this is number 43. 43.
1: I believe 43 or 44, okay. something like that. Very good. We, we were lazy in the beginning. We did it like once a month. We, we would just say, like, hey, should we do a podcast yeah. today? Sure, it sounds nah, good. You yeah. know, I know. It's nice
2: out. There's beer around. And now we've okay. got fancy equipment and research teams and all sorts of things. We've researched teams? Yeah, there's just a sled dog on bad. We've got all
1: sorts of stuff. We didn't have film <laughs> when we first started either. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, It's uh, if you want to hear our god awful first broadcast, uh, you can find it on uh, definitely on SoundCloud. I'm not sure if it ever made it up on iTunes or not, but definitely on SoundCloud. Um, If you are listening to the uh, to the recordings and like the recordings, uh, rate us on iTunes. uh, All of our old episodes are on there. Uh, You can find us on SoundCloud. uh, Find us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul. Um, send us beer suggestions or comments or questions to uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com uh, and then any beers that we have on <clears throat> on the broadcast, we uh, rate and check in on the Untapped app, so you can add those to your collection as well. And I think that's all the plugs that we have.
2: Well, if you're and if you're listening right now and you've got iTunes open, share us with your friends. Yes, also the sharing thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, sharing don't helps. be selfish. Sharing
2: is good. Yeah. Um, You know who needs to share more? uh, Donald Trump. No, he doesn't. Yeah.
1: There's no no more sharing?
0: Too much? No more sharing. (laughs) Really should be sharing less. None
1: none sharing.
2: This feels like it was, uh, we were talking before we went on air, this was was a special week. It was rough. In terms of bizarre behavior and oddities. (laughs) And
0: Phil, what do you think? It, it it was. Uh, at the same time, it feels like how many times have we said that at mm-hmm. the beginning of this podcast? Um, it, it always feels a little special. But yeah, he it it he feels a little more unhinged this week than uh, than in the past.
2: I think that's got to be our first topic, right? Unhinged Trump.
1: <laughs> so just the fact that we have to make that a topic.
2: And it's a re- like Phil said, it's a repetitive topic. Right. Uh, it's a degree of unhingedness, and I think this week was particularly. Unhinged. Uh,
0: and it all. Right. Go ahead. I, maybe the the news story is the extent to which other people have started recognizing it as unhinged. Um, Sorry, my my phone <laughs> rang. <laughs> that never happens. So I, I was saying that the uh, maybe the newsworthy part is the extent to to which other people have started to recognize it as unhinged. I, is that? Do you? I mean, do you see that? I don't know. Is do we have hope that maybe this is becoming like that? Other people are recognizing. Maybe people have always recognized it. It's just that they're starting to talk about it. I, I mean, just,
1: I, I don't know, man. I feel like everybody was fairly well aware. Well, so
0: I, I, I should say, when I say, when I say other people, I should say Republicans, okay. I guess. Most, lots of people recognized that he was unhinged, but yeah. people have started being willing to speak about it
1: from an institutional perspective or. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They're definitely becoming more vocal about it. Well, at the the very least. The other
2: thing, I think that Republicans have known this as well. I mean, a number of stories came out this week saying that Bob Corker, what Bob Corker did, and we'll get to that in a second, a lot of other Republicans agree with, but are afraid to say it publicly. And so this week was a big deal because he came out and leveled this criticism. So the back and forth, it all began on Sunday uh, when Trump went after Bob Corker in multiple tweets, uh, attacking him for not running. Uh, He said, what did he say? He said... uh, I can't remember what his exact critique, but he was going uh, Trump's critique of Bob Corker.
0: What 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 prompted that? I'm I'm trying to remember. I know that Corker announced he wasn't running again, and that was sort of the context. But but was there something that Corker did to Trump that led led him to launch into this?
2: Previously, he said something about that he doesn't make great decisions and that you know he should be more thoughtful about how this goes. But I don't know if there was anything else behind the scenes. But then, uh, so Trump lays into him on Sunday with this two or three tweets and. Uh, Bob Corker responds by saying, it's a quote, a tweet. It's a shame the White House has become an adult daycare center. Someone obviously missed their shift this morning. Good Bob Corker. That's that's that's, a good burn. That's a good burn, (laughs) which, of course, Trump didn't like. And it led to this feud back and forth. Uh, Corker ultimately gives an interview on Sunday or Monday with The New York Times where he goes into great detail talking about how concerned he is. For the country, Uh, this the Trump has turned the presidency into a reality TV show and that we potentially could be on the path to World War Three. I mean, this is World War Three. Yeah, that's
0: that's big. Republicans don't haven't been saying this right I mean this is yeah, it's big World, World War Three is big yes but what I mean is for him to openly say that we're on that path yeah. is, is is big
2: yeah. and, and we should tell the listeners part of the reason that Corker is able to do this is he's decided to not run for re-election so he's got the ability to say things that other Republicans who have to worry
1: about re-election are more worried about well he was a fairly ardent trump supporter at the beginning too. Yes. correct yeah
0: a, a candidate for so this story you sent me this story you? Yes. he was a candidate he was considered for secretary of state until trump decided that he wasn't tall enough right.
2: so bob corker is five foot seven please don't tell me that's true no it's totally true so <laughs> new york times suggesting that uh trump thought he was too short whereas rex tillerson is much taller like a tall man uh, and so Trump said, "I don't want to go with Bob Corker." And then in another tweet after Corker's response this weekend, Trump called him "Little Bob." Uh, again, making fun of his height. Now he's just running out of insults,
1: right? Uh, I mean, it's, he's reusing.
2: Them. Right, he's going after the Marco Rubio stuff. So <laughs> this is—I mean—there's a couple things here. One, the fact that Trump does seem to be increasingly isolated, increasingly, oh, prone to these rants. But also that we're seeing some sign of the Republicans' willingness to push back. How far will yeah. that go, Phil? Is that something that's limited to a Republican who's not running for re-election or do you think this will catch on?
0: I'm I'm skeptical that it will catch on. Why I, this doesn't feel like a major tipping point to me. I mean right. there there are encouraging things, right? So last week I guess was the story that came out about uh what was it, Tillerson and Mattis and whoever else, Kelly, I guess, who had all sort of made this pact that they were all going to Stick it out to help control Trump, yes. right? And and when Tillerson was talking about resigning, they were the ones who were kind of pushing him not to do it. And the fact that these stories are coming out, that, that the people around Trump and top Republicans are publicly expressing their exasperation, but really more concern right. about Trump and his inability to make sound decisions... Is encouraging, and I think you know the more people that come out and say these sorts of things, the more likely we are to get to the tipping point in which the party would turn on him. I don't think we're anywhere close to that yet, and that's where you know Paul Ryan still hasn't. And the 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 counter example to the whole this whole thing is. Oh, why can't I think? What's his name? The South Carolina senator Lindsey Graham, yeah, who um, was an you know outspoken critic of Trump all along. Who this week has taken to tweeting about how great Trump is at golf and how he beat him at golf even more than he beat a, even worse than he beat him at the presidential race, and so. You know, for all of the encouraging stories, there are also these other discouraging stories.
2: So in the interview, Corker said, Bob Corker, look, except for a few people, the vast majority of our caucus understands what we're dealing with here. Of course, they understand the volatility that we're dealing with and the tremendous amount of work that it takes by people around him talking about Trump to keep him in the middle of the road. I mean, that's a big deal to say that other Republicans get how big this is.
0: How does that make you how does that make you feel? But it, it, that's how, <laughs> Sad, welcome, to welcome to therapy. <laughs> yes. no, in the sense of, I think there's kind of two ways you could, or there's two immediate reactions that I have to this. One could be that it's encouraging that what behind the scenes Republicans realize that he is an issue, right? And even if they're not openly talking about it, if they all agree on that, they're at least working to control or contain some of the, the chaos. That could be encouraging. On the other hand, it could be totally discouraging in that they all know he's crazy, but they're just going along with it because it makes tax reform more likely. Sure. Do, you, do you lean one way or the other? I, you know, I,
2: I, for me, I keep thinking about this in terms of history. History is not going to judge Republicans well if they all knew what's going on and they're not acting, that they bear some responsibility to put partisanship aside and say that what's best for the country is to not have Donald Trump, because this is different than all other previous presidents. Donald Trump is a... I mean, it just feels like it's out of control. And if there's a time to step in, this should be the time.
0: But at, at the same time, we're not just figuring this out about Trump, right? Like that's right. That's The Republican right. Party has, has not said anything for two years now. I
2: guess what's changed is that he's no longer useful for the Republicans. You know, the idea of health care has gone away. I mean, tax reform sounds like that's going to be even more difficult. They're not getting any policy done. And the world is drifting towards a potential conflict with North Korea. Maybe Iran is going to now pick a fight with Iran. So it feels like the world is getting more dangerous. So there's a, a certain amount of momentum. He's no longer useful. We actually finally have to have that conversation about whether he's unfit.
0: What, what do you think, cynical Nick? Uh,
1: <laughs> I, <clears throat> I don't think they have the balls to have that conversation. I, I like Publicly? I, yeah, definitely not publicly and definitely not to the point where the – uh, concept of of impeachment comes into play, or removing him from 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 office in general. I, I it's still that partisan game that you're. Uh, regardless of who is there or who's in power, that is the 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 motive for for what for every single thing that they do. There is no way they're going to sacrifice the presidency, or, or risk sacrificing the presidency purely because they feel like he's you know quote unquote unfit for office and could start World War III. Uh, yeah, One no. it, it's, yeah, it's, it's of the
2: stories that broke this week was that – I was
1: doing quotations. Believe, <laughs>
2: right. head back and forth, really. There was a conversation, conversation. and I, I'm not sure if it was Republicans within the administration or outside of the administration, but high-level Republicans were speculating that Mattis – Tillerson, and Kelly had had conversations about what to do if Trump goes for the nuclear football, like physically what to do if he decides that he's going to do something rash and he wants to launch a nuclear weapon. Like, what what do they do? Uh, and this was an ongoing conversation. How do you respond to these outbursts that he has? I doubt he's ever
1: alone in a room with that thing. It's just him and, and the nuclear football. I'm sure... One of the three of them is in the room whenever that thing's <laughs> they, around.
0: Thank God they're having that conversation.
1: Right, right. <laughs> I mean, is it like a monkey in the middle where somebody grabs
2: the the football and runs away yeah, from him. and just, Trump tries to catch no, him and you just
1: and, grab a bust from the other side of the room
2: Somebody and takes a shiny it, object and flashes at him yeah. to
1: distract
0: him. What, <laughs> what that reveals is the the deep flaws in the way our system yeah. is set up, right? Yes. Like we should you know, the president, as we're as we're set up, shouldn't shouldn't have anyone telling them not to do that. But they are um, openly doing this. I mean, the, right. they need a the second
1: are. person to launch, right?
0: No. No. You just, it's well, just you him. Have, yes. You, you have to have a second person to launch, but they have to follow the president's yes. order. It's him.
2: It is entire, yeah. And there's this deeper What's conversation about see that happening. whether there should be a congressional oversight. It, not only is it only him, but it's within a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. So if he were presented with information to saying North Korea launched a nuclear missile, he would have three to five minutes to make that determination mm-hmm. alone. Yeah terrifying
1: yeah i wasn't i'm not real comfortable with that thought and it
2: it does appear that the administration has now set up guardrails for him where there are individuals around him when he gets up in the morning and he's angry about something apparently one of the tactics is to say well we'll get to that next week and then he will forget about it or they bring him something new i mean this this seems like we finally reached a point where we're like all right now it's we have to get
1: more serious it is getting out of control Go 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 ahead
0: no go ahead the problem with the whole situation is the issue that we've talked about in other contexts over the last few weeks is this crazy polarization in America, right? Because it, I think you're right, Nick, in that there is some cynical partisanship, like the Republicans just want to, you know, get their agenda through or whatever. But I think the other half of it is you have all of these um, senators and congressmen and women who are, who have to get reelected and, and like it, it Taking a stand against Trump right now is not a, a good thing to do on the right. So you might make a group of people happy, but you're going to really piss off a group of people at the same time, which is why Corker, who's not facing that reelection, can come out and say these things. But, you know, it, it's the same it, the, the same issue. The same kind of craziness and anti-Obama and sort of fear of government and all this other stuff that led to Trump's election is also the same thing that is preventing the Republican Party from taking a real stand against him.
2: The big test will be the midterm elections where Bannon has said that he is going to support Trump-like candidates, pushing them farther In to the every right.
1: Every single race possible. Ex- except
2: for uh, Ted, Ted Cruz, Cruz who's right. cool. He's cool he, with he's Bannon. Cool. <laughs>
1: you <laughs> fuck you you're cool i'm out
2: so this is going to be the test is the bannon approach going to win or is this more moderate ring wing of the republican party going to push back i i think you're right nick i i think the bannonites and the trumpsters win or do well at least
0: the question is whether or not moderate republicans will break away right right what, will they ever decide that there are either uh, that the Republican Party has gone too far, and so they will vote Democrat, hold their nose and vote Democrat, or whether they would try to form some other alternate, whether you have actual, a, 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 you know, a fracture of the Republican Party. I
1: mean, there would have to be such a huge portion of the party to do that, because there's no, there's no strategic point to do it unless there's enough to split it three ways which realistically has never ever happened in the history of the united states
2: it would lead to democratic dominance if you
1: have
0: if you have the republican party and
1: nobody wants that because
0: they're dumb one party dominance is not good ever (laughs) (laughs) so go ahead phil No, I I was just – I feel like we should – I don't know how much time we have left on this topic. I feel like we're running out of time, but maybe I'm wrong.
2: No, we got like eight minutes. (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: okay. Well, go ahead. I'll I'll come back to what I was going to say.
2: I was just going to bring up another example, which was the the nuclear example that the story that uh, was released today, this morning, NBC had a story suggesting that – or not suggesting, stating that in July or sometime this summer – uh, Trump was briefed about nuclear weapons and the U.S. nuclear arsenal, and that has decreased dramatically since the 1960s and 1970s to a much lower level. We have roughly about 4,000 nuclear weapons, depending on how you count them. But Trump was troubled by this. They showed him a graph that went down. Gra- Trump doesn't like graphs or you know lines that go down. He said we should increase this by tenfold, which <laughs> you know which freaked everybody else out in the room and 40,
1: nuclear weapons
2: yeah get back to the cold war stage and so they had to try to talk him out of this explain this why this was a terrible idea and this is what led tillerson to call him a moron that was it was that reaction now there's that story which is important in and of itself but then today trump was on twitter attacking nbc about this and suggesting that we should that the government should remove their license because of this so we're getting into First Amendment issues. And again, an unhinged behavior. That That,
0: that is scary. Yes. I mean, it's a weird – there's a weird um, duality to all of this in that a president suggesting that a, a network who publishes bad stories about him should lose their license is uh, – like it's straight off of an authoritarian's checklist, right? Yes. At the same time, Trump says so many crazy things that we don't take – most of them seriously. So it's a weird, like, how do you react to this? Because any president saying that should be, you know, alarm bells should be going off. But at the same time, Trump is so insane that he says this sort of stuff all the time. Right.
1: That's the thing. I think there's a significant difference between, you know, being in a country where someone says something like this and then the stations end up burning down or people start going missing. And like I can't even use another word. A, a, a lunatic just spouts this stuff. I mean, oh, that's just what he says. But it's it's so it's sad to think that we've gotten to a point where we can't even take a threat like that that should realistically be a threat to constitutional rights yep. seriously. Yep. It's really. I just, I never really saw us getting to this point.
2: It's it's truly mind-boggling when you think about the fact that yes, we're like, well, he's that's just what Trump does. But it's it's the president of the United States mm-hmm. suggesting that we should go after media outlets. And, and you're right, there are constraints to prevent him from doing that. Right. But no other presidents have said things like that
0: it's back to you know not to beat a dead horse but it's back to what we've talked about before about the erosion of norms right this that that we as we dismiss this the next time a president comes along and says these sorts of things then we also easily dismiss it and it just i don't know it's just it's a small erosion maybe but it's an erosion of that line again that that maybe doesn't matter today but down the line it could it could matter Mm
2: -hmm. does it make you feel better phil that trump has such an iq that he's way smarter than rex tillerson
0: I saw today <laughs> so yes this this is further evidence <laughs> of the insanity of the president that he on twitter this week basically challenged rex tillerson to an iq test after the
2: story of him being called a moron broke and he's like well if he said that that's fine but i'm still smarter
0: <laughs> didn't he didn't he suggest that they both take iq tests yeah. to prove that he's smarter yeah yeah and, oh, that, he, what, and we, that he would win yeah
1: we know whose iq will be whose score will be higher what?
0: kind of Petty third grader says that. That's insane. I saw somebody who was. Oh, Minsa, I think, came out <laughs> oh, and publicly uh, um, uh, offered to, to provide IQ tests to both of them. Uh,
2: <laughs> Well, it just speaks to the degree. I mean, it was hard to get all of the bizarre stories into this one segment. We kept saying, "Well, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about that." And and for me, that's why I think there has to be some bigger reckoning. I, I, you're right, Nick. I don't think it's going to happen. I can't see Paul Ryan saying it's time to move forward with impeachment. I can't see Mike Pence saying that it's time to talk about removing him through the was it the 25th Amendment. Uh, I, I I think this is going to continue unless Trump decides I don't want to play this game anymore. Hmm.
0: If if the Republicans took heavy losses in midterms, do you think that would shift them at all? I don't know. That's a
2: I, yeah, maybe it would depend on the nature of the defeat. Uh, I don't even know if they will. I don't, I don't know, know if they will they, either. Yeah. Republicans could do quite well. They're set up, especially for the Senate to to do well. The, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. It's you. You think about that? You know, having talked with with you guys during. Um, I was, well, I was here at, at North Central, uh, and especially with, with Suzanne, the, the cadence of midterms and what it's supposed to do, you can't follow any of that shit anymore. Yeah. It's not, I, right. I don't see any discernible pattern with this, and it's, that's a frightening thing when you can't predict yeah. anything.
2: It's, and Especially in a midterm like this, this should be a swing one given the behavior, but if it's not, I think that suggests a, a real mm-hmm. polarization.
0: I think a combination of this incredible partisanship that has emerged with the sort of extreme gerrymandering that has occurred means that it's, yeah, I mean, I think the Republicans, I think, will take losses in the midterms. I don't know that they'll be in any way devastating. It won't be, you know, the types of swings that happened 40 years ago in American politics. All of this, all of this comes back around to my further cementing my belief that there is nothing going on in Trump's head that amounts to any sort of strategy. We talk a lot about like whether this is smart or whether he's doing this intentionally and he's he is a reflex machine, right? Something happens and he responds. You say something mean and he lashes out. You say something nice, and he lavishes praise on you. And that is all that's happening. I don't, like, there other people around him might have some strategy, but there is nothing going on with him other than sort of immediate response to stimuli. Well,
1: yeah, I, I mean, when we, did the first few episodes of the, of the the podcast when we started doing this, almost. Yeah, almost a year ago when we were talking about this, you know, I, I know I was under the impression, well, yeah, he's not the smartest guy ever, but he's going to delegate to responsible people who know what they're doing and let them do their jobs, and it's just not turned out to be the case. <laughs> well, he's
2: not only is he one walking impulse— He's got a short term memory. Right. So there's no consistency to this. He doesn't realize the implications of this. So he may attack a Republican one day and a Democrat the next. And so it makes for bizarre patterns where, you know, we'll talk about this later. But he says, "Okay, I'm going to work with the Republicans on DACA. And then the next day says, no, I'm building the wall. So there's no consistency to the to the agenda at all.
1: I, I mean, the only caveat, or, you know, to play devil's advocate with this, is I, I do think there is a concerted effort and somewhat of an agenda by the left to discredit anything that him or his administration does do if there is anything positive coming out of this, which there still could be. But I think it's, if there is anything, it's extraordinarily hard to get a... Salient, um, uh, unopposed viewpoint on it. I, 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 I mean, that bugs me. I'm sure it bugs mm. him. And the fact that he is that reflex machine, which I really like that term now, um, <laughs> I'm sure that drives him crazy and, and, you know, ratchets it up to the, the, the umpteenth level. And it's, I, I think for anyone in that position or any position of extreme power, that would be very, very hard to deal with. Not necessarily you know, saying that I agree with any of his actions over the past, I, I don't even know how many months it's been. This
2: point. But the Democrats have serious problems, right? That party also needs to have some internal reflection. But they, to your point, they can sit back and There's watch what, yeah, Trump implode and right. not have to deal with some of those.
0: Right. It, it's fun to think about what, if we've had, I wonder if we've had other moron presidents in the past. <laughs> and like, if you think about it, if you took Trump and dropped him into 1915 or 1917 instead of 2017 in which things developed slower there weren't he didn't have access to twitter and like 24-hour cable news Uh, most of this kind of craziness would be contained right things take would take longer to reach the public we the public wouldn't necessarily hear about sort of his crazy thoughts and rants and the public the view that the public would get would be just of a, a normal presidency and in that sense the the tools that brought him to power, the Twitter and the 24-hour news, or what, are also the things that expose his insanity.
2: I was listening to a podcast, not ours, but another one, which I know I shouldn't do, this week. And they had Corey Shockey, who's from Stanford University, and she was saying – somebody asked that question. Has there been anybody like Trump? And she's a, she's a political scientist, but she studies. And she said that the closest thing was the presidents in the run-up to the Civil War. That's the closest parallel, as society was beginning to implode, uh, which is... I don't like that parallel. No, me either, yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe we should move to happier news, the NFL, race relations, and Mike Pence. (laughs) So So happy. So, I don't know, Phil, do you want to tell us what Mike Pence was up to this weekend? I know you're a big football fan.
0: Yeah, so... I, I, I see. If you had told me I was going to have to introduce this topic, I would have done a little more research. But <laughs> Mike Pence was on a—he uh, was in California. He was in California for a fundraising uh, um, event, I think.
2: Well, he was in Las Vegas, right? And then he was then he flew to Indianapolis.
0: That's right. It was yeah. it was Vegas. Maybe it was Vegas. I yeah. thought he went from Vegas to California, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was just Vegas. So he was in Vegas after the shooting to to do stuff there. Anyway, he made a special trip to Indianapolis to go to the Colts game because – I mean, he's from he's from Indiana, right? Um, and they were doing some recognition of Peyton Manning yeah. or something. So he makes a special trip to Indianapolis, goes into the, his special vice president suite. And before the game begins, when they play the national anthem and players kneel, he walks out mm. in, in protest of people protesting. There's take, some irony to it. Take it a stand. <laughs> but, but then it came out afterwards that Donald Trump asked him to do this. Donald Trump asked him to if if players kneeled to to walk out. So, you have a situation now in which Donald Trump is continuing to harp on this NFL thing. Mike Pence is participating in this discussion. There's the question of if it's stupid that he walked out in response to this, the irony of protesting during the national anthem that other people are protesting during the national anthem. Right. And then, of course, there is the fact that the several reports have put the, co- the price tag of this, what people are calling a political stunt, at maybe a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000 to fly across country, have all the security detail, walk into the game, knowing that you're going to turn around and walk out. The whole reason you went, basically, was to, to walk out. What do you think?
2: So, there's so many angles to dive in on this one, but can we just start with saying that Mike Pence is just a patsy at this point? He's a tool being used by Trump. He's the new Sean Spicer. Yeah, he has no integrity, because I'm sure he probably wanted to... That's a a little harsh. Okay, all right. He has less integrity. (laughs) Because this... I'm sure he wanted to watch the game, and this becomes a stunt, because it was clearly worked on in advance, and Trump soon tweets after, I told him to do that. So, I, I... it's got to be hard to be Mike Pence these days and to have some sense of credibility. I I, I don't know. Why but why well, are they
1: putting so much stock in any of this?
2: They've doubled down on this NFL angle. Oh, uh, although it does seem to be working because this week uh, the, uh, the NFL came out and said that we need to move past these protests. Jerry Jones came out and he said that he oh, doesn't Jerry want his plays players to, to kneel an anymore. <laughs> right. But again, so you you have this contrast now where. White ownership of the NFL, or at least certain segments of that, are now saying that we want our players to stand, and a largely African American player set is now going to push back. I mean, what happens in Dallas if if a player kneels? Is you know Jerry Jones said that they're not going to play. Is he really going to enforce that if Dak Prescott says I'm going to kneel?
1: I, I mean, from my perspective, I, I guess there's there's two different points that I want to make with this. I completely agree with their right and ability to protest the national anthem. That is their constitutional right to do that and freedom of expression. And if they feel that they've been wronged or there is a wrong in society, yes, absolutely. That's fine. At the same time, you are probably among the most privileged people in the entire country, regardless of what your background is. So, I, I understand that you feel that there is a, there's a, a major societal issue there that Needs to be addressed, but there are other ways to do it. And, and more than that, if you're talking about from like a Jerry Jones perspective or from the coaches in general, these like they don't they don't care about your ability to express your rights. You're money machines to them. This has nothing to do with a a, a, um, a political or social stance. If they're going to lose money on something or it's getting them bad press they're going to say, stand the fuck up. I I don't... Unless it, it gets to a point where it's such a fever pitch coming from the other direction that they can't ignore it anymore, they are going to do what's expedient for the... Uh, the NFL monetary owners. Safety, yeah. safety of the team and the NFL sure. and their industry and their bottom line. Well, so- that's their
2: interest to make money. Absolutely. But protests are also about being uncomfortable. Of so course. we've got this, this really interesting situation where I, I think both sides, not the owners, but Trump feels really good about this. And I think the players feel like they're making a difference here too. So it's, I, I, so,
0: I, yeah, go ahead, Phil. Um, what, what's interesting about this is I, I saw a public opinion poll that shows now that the vast majority of people, 70 some odd percent, agree with the players and disagree with Trump's stance on wow, this. Wow, that's that's higher than I would have thought. Yep. And the the, the article that I read that was citing this was, was using this as evidence of essentially the, a pattern has emerged that when Trump, takes a stand on an issue. It has an opposite effect that people in response to Trump having the stand basically push back against him, which is kind of an interesting phenomenon. So you see this with like DACA or you see it with, you know, there've been a number of issues that have come up in which all of a sudden there's this strong backlash. Um, I, to so I, I'm going to push back on some of the stuff you said, Nick. Fine. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, because I think your, your points are, there's, I think your points are valid, but I, I want to, I don't know, pick them apart a little bit. Um, you were saying that they're privileged, and and they are. Like my son and I were watching baseball this weekend, and he was asking, like, how much does you know? He was asking how much different players get paid, and you know they're getting paid like thirty million dollars a year, right? They're they are privileged, but I think part of their argument would be that that's why it's important for them to take a stand, right? So if if you're a nobody, you're, you know, you're just a normal Joe and you protest the anthem, it makes no difference. But when somebody who's an NFL player, they are in a position of privilege, which is why they are saying they're making this stand because, because of their position of privilege, they can sort of bring attention to this issue that otherwise might not have the attention brought to it. And
1: I, yeah, I completely don't discount that, that perspective at all. I, I'm my issue with it is they're, they're focusing in a very, um, Specific issue and not looking at their own situation and how their talent is being used to forward this thing that doesn't necessarily evince the stance that they're taking. Does that make sense?
0: I don't know. I doesn't. I don't. I'm not sure. I follow you. So
1: I'm saying, from a uh, a corporate um, monetary business perspective, the institutions that they are a part of don't necessarily care about the stance that they're taking
0: for sure yeah for sure well yeah
2: um, jerry jones yeah. is not relevant in this conversation uh the the players are and trump are but i'm not as interested in what jerry jones thinks about all this
1: no i'm yeah i'm not either but i'm saying that's an issue that they should also be addressing sure. so i yeah if i i, I don't know we'll, we'll see what the so, response yeah. is but
0: the other part that I want to push back on a little bit was that you were saying there has to be a know, double push, a double pushback. That you were saying there has to be, a, you know, a better way or a different way to do this, and and I think one of the things that people have um, tried to argue is that there's the the problem is that society or part of the reason they're protesting is that there is no appropriate way in society's eyes for you know what what could Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick do. How could he protest this? In a, is there anything he could do that society wouldn't say that's inappropriate, right? That that it's you know he actually talked to I mean my impression from what I read he talked to military people and police and they were the ones who told him that rather than sitting you should actually kneel because it shows respect. Like he's he's actually tried to do this in a way that is respectful and you know their their argument is Black Lives Matter you can't go into the streets and protest you can't protest here like. When when can you like if there's an issue that you're concerned about what is that right time if this isn't the right time what is
2: and I think LeBron James this weekend was wearing a t-shirt to that effect like we protest and you'll complain you know we we kneel down you complain but then he said something to the fact that when we're killed you're you're all quiet so there I think there is I am sympathetic to the argument that the players are making uh, sure. But we, it's going to be uncomfortable. This is not going to be something that the NFL, which I think to your point, Nick, is a money-making machine, wants to deal with. They want this to go away. And if the players are smart, they they won't.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and it it seems to me I, I Trump picking a fight with ESPN, Trump picking a fight with the NFL, those those are not smart battles. But he thinks they are.
0: Uh, the so, racial dynamics make it really interesting, I yeah. think. Yeah.
2: Well, it's uh, we were talking before we went on air that the Pittsburgh Penguins showed up to the White House, uh, and <laughs> classic, you know the one the one team that will show up, <clears throat> and Trump kept going on and on about how these are true patriots, real patriots, and. I think the number was only 10 of the
1: 23 were actually American citizens.
0: Which, 60% were non-citizens. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. So Well, Patriot isn't a universal. It's <laughs> right. it's a universal standard. It's not just for the U.S. Absolutely. But it, Why would you think that? <laughs> America first, Nick. <laughs> but
2: it also begs this question of when Trump looks at this white hockey team, is he thinking Americans? Is he thinking race? What's going on here? Clearly he liked this. I think there is – I could have I that. I think there's one person of color on the team who wasn't able to make it. Had some other prior obligation, apparently. Convenient, so, right? So, what is going on here? And is Trump not so concerned about the actual citizenship, but the racial element of this? And mm. I, I, I think probably Re- so.
0: Reflex machine. That's right. <laughs> they showed up at the White House. The other teams didn't. He, That's their patriots. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't. I don't think. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, like all of it. I don't I don't see any grand strategy other than I mean, the racial dynamics work well for him, right? When he plays out on those lines, uh, his supporters are largely white, right? And so he and, and there are a lot of critics of color of uh, of Trump. And when they criticize him, he pushes back and that ends up playing out along these racial lines. So you came up with Reflex Machine. That's your word, Phil? Yeah. Trademark.
2: good. Oh, it's good. That's it's good. good Trump this week invented the word fake. Uh, he said that in an interview. He said, "I invented the word fake." He meant fake news, but he just said the word fake. <laughs> so it was this. It was this again bizarre interview where he was saying, "I invented fake. I invented it. Nobody really used it before me." Mm. No,
1: I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's this one bugs me a lot, and I, I don't really know where I fall on it. What I it bugs me in the sense that. Um, besides all of the other things that I spouted five minutes ago. Um, I, again, completely understand the constitutional rights standpoint, and, you know, again, there are, there are a lot of issues that do need to be addressed from a race, uh, racial and social and societal standpoint. I, I, I understand that you think, that, or that the NFL players in general, think that there is a giant societal issue out there that needs to be addressed, I I have a hard time thinking that it's um, people who have benefited so much from the system that's in place in the U.S. that have all of these opportunities that would not necessarily exist in a, a number of other countries around the world, uh, especially in less developed countries. And to make this kind of general statement that I don't respect kind of a fundamental part of the I don't know American fabric something that everybody can kind of Stand behind that. That rubs me the wrong no,
2: way. No, I, I get that, but this speaks to how two different groups can look at oh, yeah. the national anthem differently, right? So for these African American players, it's not the intent is not to disrespect the flag, but for the other side, that is a clear right assessment of that behavior, right? Mm. So they're trying to do this respectfully, but the other side looks at it as an intentional attack on the troops, on the flag, on the on patriotism. Well, yeah, in general. it doesn't
1: need to go. <clears throat> To the extreme of, you know, we won't tolerate any person who disrespects the the flag or our troops or anything. I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's just dumb. There's no reason to be that, you know, explicit about what they're doing. But I I I don't know. I think there's a better yeah. middle ground that can be found.
2: Well, we're seeing. I mean, Mike Pence took it the other direction, right? He was also engaging in a stunt. Hey, we should talk beer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We had we had two long topics. They were good, but they yeah. were yeah. Phil, you're not drinking beer because you're sick,
0: right? I have been crazy sick all week, so I'm having a Coke. All right. (laughs) Seems reasonable. It's
1: delicious. Nick, do you want to start us off? Sure. I only had one thus far because I was rambling on so much. Um, (laughs) I had a a Spiteful IPA from Spiteful Brewing out of Chicago. What a great name. Which I didn't know was a thing. It's like my new favorite brewery just because of the name. But the beer is good, too. Um, ah, Can is great. All of it's awesome. Mm. Hold on it has an elephant on it. I don't know if that's a dig at republicans or if they just like elephants They're spiteful um, of everything spite- right <clears throat> um fairly standard i p a um not very heavy um little hoppier than I would generally like, but the the more I drink it it's hang on <laughs> um yeah it it's good it has a kind of a light sweetness to it. Um, so yeah, I would definitely check it out. I'll, I'll probably be having this again and finding out where they are yeah. and telling them that their hey, marketing is awesome. out of
2: Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So I was more focused and I actually had two beers. <laughs> so first one I had was, uh, Oscar's pardon from Haymarket brewery. Uh, it was a pale, a Beg- Belgian style pale ale. Uh, and it, I liked it. It was a little lighter than I thought it would be. I mean, I love the the Belgian style is letting lots of stuff into the beer, and it's cloudy, and that that was good. It was a, I was looking a little more oomph out of it, but it was a nice, very drinkable beer. Uh, my second beer was from Alter Brewery, uh, which is uh, not too far away from Naperville here. And it's the Ulterior Motive IPA. Mm-hmm. And I've just had a couple sips of that, but, oh, it's that's a good one. <laughs> they, they, they did well. You know, nice IPA, hoppy, but still also crisp and has a little bit of citrusy to it. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this one a lot. So, nice. Yeah. Um, Time speed? for speed round. Yes, yeah. so, so we had an agenda, and then – Phil and Nick thought that we needed to talk about this this Harvey guy who's causing trouble. So so one of the what of the two of you should introduce this topic for our first speed round topic?
0: Uh, so, yeah, so Harvey Weinstein, um, Weinstein? Weinstein. Weinstein, 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 Harvey Weinstein uh, has been all over the news this week because uh, this I don't remember if it was New York Times or Washington Post broke this story. Um, about basically decades of sexual harassment that he has been involved in at his own uh, movie production um, movie studio or whatever. So uh, he's a big player in Hollywood and apparently has a long pattern of sort of taking young starlets under his wing, but not but expecting things in return. And uh, yeah, just a total <laughs> sleaze ball, right? The stories that have come out are awful. And there was audio that came out today. So he's it's an but awful the thing, person. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is. I, and I, I think that's like, a, we can all sort of agree. Like he's a sleazeball and, and awful. So there's not a whole lot to talk about in that right. part. Topic two then. <laughs> 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 the, the part that makes it interesting or the part that I want to talk about for our podcast is the fact that he's a major democratic donor. Mm-hmm. And so there has been, um, lots of discussion or questions about how Democrats should respond to this or whether Democrats should feel bad about this, um, how they should handle Should they donate the money? Has Hillary Clinton taken too long in responding? Oh, what, what do you what do you think? Do you, want to do start, you care?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I care in the sense of it, it seems extraordinarily hypocritical of them. I, I, I think that this is something that people in the industry and people outside of the industry have known that he has been doing, like you said, for decades. Uh, One of uh, Obama's daughters was uh, an intern for the Weinstein company. You don't think that they did some sort of research on the Weinstein brothers or the company or any improprieties in there? And because he was a major democratic donor, that that didn't kind of factor into their decision.
2: The Obamas came out and Attacked this or criticized or yep. condemned him. Yep. Did 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 Hillary as well or what was I think,
0: the? I think Hillary finally did, but it took her four days or something like that. And so there was criticism that it took her so long to respond to this because there are all, this, this picture has been going around. He was a major donor and a fundraiser, and so there are these pictures of he and Hillary like you know yucking it up together and hugging and yeah.
2: yeah. T- to me, it seems. How much should people know? So if people knew this was taking place, if they knew that this was the kind of guy he was and this is what was taking place, then then there's it's a bigger story. Right. Mm -hmm. If you knew that you had a predator and you're taking money from him and you're supporting him because it's good for you, that's that's awful. Mm -hmm. And we should hold politicians accountable, Democrats accountable for that. If they didn't, if this is more news that's just breaking, then I think you immediately condemn him. You give the money back. Uh, Yeah, and so Hillary— Do you see them giving
1: that money back? No, no. No, they're they're
0: not giving it back, but the Democratic Party has announced that they are— they're doing something with it. They're not keeping it. They're donating it to some okay. other cause or, well, that, that or something. seems
2: reasonable. But for me, the catch is going to be how much do people know and when? I Want to see that right. paperwork?
0: You want
1: to see the paperwork? I want to see <laughs> the damn paperwork when that happens.
2: <laughs> I'm sure, we'll probably see at the same time we see Trump's tax exactly. returns, right?
1: Yeah.
2: No, I, this this seems more clear cut to me. Uh, that if you know if they didn't know, fine, they get a free pass. But you have to come out and you have to condemn quickly. And yeah, it's because it's I, it's not I, it's awful.
1: I I mean I don't think. The fact that, again, this was something that was known in the industry and the fact that all these people are all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork is because they knew that there was blood in the water, they had the opportunity to take this guy down, and you wouldn't see this kind of reaction unless there was just this overwhelming amount of information that you couldn't push back on. And I, part of me thinks that's what took some of the Democrats, whether it was Hillary or anyone else... A little bit of time to respond to this to see I, sure. what kind of damage control was going to be necessary. Sure, for something and they
2: like may this. have been hesitant for those reasons. I will say, it's it, when these claims come out, it's hard for one to do so. They usually come out in bunches because it's easy for those who've been affected by this to do this as a group. Sure. You know, if one person comes out and accuses him, we've seen what happens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I,
1: I don't I, know. It's it's a weird alliance, at least I view it as a weird alliance, between that political structure and yeah. the Hollywood elite. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, it's awkward. Yeah,
0: it, It's a strange... So, if... I'm with you, Bill, in that if they knew about this and sort of, you know, hush-hush, look the other way, then, yeah, that's... It's bad. Bad. Yeah. If that's the case, then I don't know that giving away the money is enough to make up for Ooh, it, right? Also. Like, that's... That more needs to be done than giving away the money. Now, if you didn't know about it then I don't I don't I it seems weird to me to give the money away then right if you just if somebody <laughs> donated the money and you didn't know that he was a terrible person does if if you didn't again if you, if you knew it and accepted the money that's one thing if you didn't and you got this money I, the money itself isn't dirt like right if the no, money it's itself clean. is bad then giving it to the spca or whatever to help animals is just as bad sure. right it's, so no, it's, it's for the optics of, it, it,
2: of that yeah
0: it's the acceptance of the money in the first place that that matters in the sense of you know who knew and who didn't know right. well, the other part I, that that no, makes I'm it sorry. a little yeah. do it go ahead no no, no go ahead. I, I interrupted you go ahead um i i realize that that statement is probably not what most people would agree with i, I that's some kind of a weird stance that i have um the other part is that that makes it a little weird is that the Republicans and you know Fox News and whoever else who are jumping all over this they're not the best messenger right. for the criticism <laughs> right. right to say that how how you know how dare you take money from a sexual predator when the party nominated a guy who was on tape talking about how he you know grabs women and does it you know he's yeah. famous and he can get away with it and basically why you know uh um Weinstein and Trump are they're very similar yes. people. Right? No, and
2: I, I think Republicans have to be careful about the critique that they carry yeah. out here. They let this, I mean, in some ways, let this play out on its own. There's enough evidence there. But, yes, if if Trump don't comes out. I they have to, though. Like, yeah. I,
1: I, I go full bore. I, I mean, Trump I'm sure. Trump can't. Trump can't tweet no, anything can't, about but this. But I'm yeah. sure the rest of the party can. I, I would think the Democrats would be doing the exact same thing at this point. Uh, maybe, but Trump is a unique, he's in a, uh, he's got a, well,
0: yeah. Logical consistency is not a strong point of our political system (laughs) right now.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. (laughs) All right. Topic number two. Um,
1: Nick does not like beer number two. No, actually, I have (laughs) to talk about this. So I opened a can of um, chocolate milk stout from Four Hands Brewing, uh, which we've had them a lot. And the question that I guess Phil and I had uh, before we started was, does it taste like chocolate milk? That's also a stout, or does it taste like chocolate in a milk stout? Mm-hmm. And it definitely tastes like chocolate milk. Really, it's delicious. Oh, it is it's really. Yeah. That's it's bizarre. Delicious. So oh. I'm going to be quiet while I okay. okay. <laughs> well,
2: topic number two, which didn't get much attention in the news this week, was dealing with Russia and the revelation that uh, Russia was very creative in its social media in terms of the the 2016 election. And not only were they very active, but they intentionally picked ads that would be divisive. So they found uh, groups and articles that would play off Racial, ethnic divisions. Uh, they created pages called uh, "Being Patriotic," "Secured Borders," "Black Activist. and what they would do is they would pick up stories that were from the United States, but then ex- you know blow them up, give them lots of attention, and intentionally create or exacerbate these divides within the United States. A very, very smart strategy. And they were—it wasn't just pro-Trump. They picked all sorts of groups to try to create this. Divide, uh, mm. and we're just now beginning to learn the extent of their activity and how much they've spent. And it wasn't just Facebook; they were on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It
1: it appears that Russia has a very sophisticated approach to U.S. elections. So realistically, the division isn't our fault. Then it's it's all the Russians' fault, right? It's
2: there, right? They're just they're just <laughs> highlighting it no, in in that. very very intentional ways. Like they pick. They pick little clips or stories that they know are going to get traction. Uh, I mean, it's it's very savvy, but also very sinister. Now, Phil, <laughs> you're 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 one who loves social media. <laughs> how, how concerned should we be about this?
0: Um, we we should be concerned, right? Like, I mean, what's so there's it's telling to to see the extent to which they've done this, and and I, I don't think even even with the numbers about how much they spend on ad buys and how many, I think I saw that the estimate was that, was it 10 million, a hundred million, some, some huge number it's of Americans saw yeah. a Russian sponsored ad or a, a Russian buy on Facebook at some point leading up to the election.
1: Was it an impression or a click? Cause there's a difference between <laughs> <Yes>. those two. <laughs> That's a good point.
0: That's a good point. Um, you know, when you talk about the, the presidential race coming down to a few thousand votes, you know, 10,000 votes yeah. in a couple of States, um, this, this matters, right? So it, it should lead, lead us to, to worry or to question about how we are so susceptible to this, right? As, as a, so they are just playing on our own divisions, which should lead us to look inward and think about those divisions. Um, but it also is a huge red flag about Russia meddling in our elections. And what what is also interesting, I think, is that, um, in the grand scheme of Russian meddling in elections, this, this is in my mind, fairly minor compared to some of the other stuff they might have been doing. Right. And yet it's still I mean, it's it's like we should be outraged. We yes. should be up in arms about it. This is another example of one of the stories that has sort of slow boiled for such a long time that it doesn't feel all that significant. Right. But if you if you went back five years and said, hey, Russia in the 2016 election is going to spend millions of dollars on on Facebook ads, Google ads twitter bots it would have been a massive story I,
1: I, I mean is it in my from my perspective i was not shocked by this at all i mean yeah. it seems like i assumed they were doing something like this and doing a standard they're dividing and conquering like, it, as long as you can create division and, and strife within a population yeah you're probably going to be fairly successful in what you're going to do um it's uh I, I go back to the point which we've talked about in previous episodes is the fact that people are getting this kind of what's supposedly salient information from Facebook or Twitter or something like that. These are not – they're not news sources. And that's a problem with us and our use of technology and our inability to look past, you know, the first two sentences or even headline of an article. I – I I don't know. Like, I assume that whatever election is going on, there is going to be some sort of meddling involved with it. Whether you're talking about at an electoral level or you're talking about a, you know, media and population influence level. This... This bugs me because it says that we're stupid. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We're really, really stupid. And
2: Russia figured that out and knew to play off our anger, our passions, and, uh, and that they could provide misinformation to mm-hmm. exacerbate that. I think it's you know time will tell, and there's it's hard to measure this, but I think it's fair to say that the 2016 election was dramatically impacted and likely decided by Russia, because you, you said it's as you noted, Phil. It's it's a it's we're talking about thousands or hundreds of thousands of votes one way or the other, and these have this type of ad or this type of uh, influence has a major effect, and we won't know that for years, and we're so it's such a hyper political topic that we can't address it now, but. 50 years from now, I think people will look back and say that outside forces tipped this election one way or the other. And
0: and they continue to do it. Right. right. I think there's yeah. the sense that this happened, but uh, they're continuing to meddle in other elections in Europe and elsewhere. They're continuing. Somebody I saw on Twitter this week had uh, screenshotted a, a tweet that came from some, is it, we should, I, is it Antifa or Antifa? What's the accepted?
1: I say Antifa.
0: OK,
2: Antifa, there, some some <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato, <laughs> some,
0: some Antifa group from you know North Carolina or whatever had tweeted this, uh, you know, some divisive thing out and the geotag was still turned on at the bottom. Oh, yeah. And it was it was tweeted out from, you know, someplace in Russia. So it, like they're continuing to do this, right? They're creating fake accounts. They're creating news stories. And and they're you know, we, we it, it is a perfect storm. Of human nature, which is, you know, we 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 are we are prone to cognitive biases and information like we eat up information that we agree with. And it's this it's this perfect tool. And Russia is not a, shouldn't be a world a major player. Right. They're, they're kind of yeah. we, we give them way more credit than 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 we should. And they're getting away with so much. Well, and
2: the, the other interesting element of this is that we need to start thinking about holding Facebook, Twitter, Google. These organizations sure. somewhat accountable, and I understand their argument. They say, "Hey, we're just facilitating conversation; we can't control what happens." But if those conversations are influencing elections, then there's there's but how do you monitor if, that? Well, well but I w- wait. <laughs>
0: If Democrats are if Democrats are responsible for taking Harvey Weinstein's money, <laughs> then Facebook should be a hella responsible for taking Russian money, right? Especially given how much we micromanage political campaigns. But we don't know if
1: any of those hackers were pedophiles or rapists.
0: That's a good point. Think
1: about
2: ads on TV. We micromanage all of those details, so it's right. even and it's fair. Uh, in terms of donations that I can make to a party, all of that is micromanaged. But
1: that defeats the purpose of the internet. Then it's supposed to be open and free. I will concede you that. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I I I completely agree that there needs to be something needs to be done. Yeah. I don't know if there's a good vessel to do it with this particular medium. And once you start regulating that, yeah. then I, 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 again, something that we've talked about: who creates that message? Then we don't necessarily know. I mean, it's some government regulatory system that's now in charge of that messaging and what people see and. I <laughs>
2: And the I, Trump administration would help. will have no incentive to lead this charge. <laughs> yeah.
0: A crazy idea that I know we've thrown out before, but like a six-week election cycle would make a hell of a difference. I love, it. I love it.
2: I'm yes. on board. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh.
2: All right. Topic. What are we? Is this the third speed round? Third. Third. All right. Uh, the dreamers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The dreamers are in trouble. The only option for the Dreamers to stay at this point appears to be if they want to build Donald Trump's wall. So uh, this week, it, it appeared that Donald Trump had given signs to the Democrats that he was willing to work out a deal with, with DACA and Dreamers. And then this week, he said no deal. Uh, and if, if there is going to be any kind of agreement on the, uh, the Dreamers, he wants his hardline immigration policies implemented, uh, which includes an elimination of sanctuary cities. The wall is going to get built. Uh, there's going to be 10,000 immigrant agents, uh, higher, tougher laws for those seeking asylum, denial of anything related to Sanctuary City. So he came down and said, no deal. This is if if you want to stay, I got to get my wall. Uh, Phil, reasonable? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this this to me reads like or sounds like. At its core, like there's a kernel of a good idea here, yeah. right? Like Trump basically saying, look, I've got something you want, right? D- DACA is something that is, it's a popular policy, particularly with Democrats. I've got something you want. So give me something I want in return. That seems like one of the first, like of all the things we've talked about today, it's the one that's like a good political yeah. instinct. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he is so dramatically overplaying his hand, right? If you were to say, look, we, we all want DACA you know, to, we, we want the dreamers to be able to stay, give me, you know, a certain amount of money towards the border wall. Um, and, and we can make that happen. That seems like maybe that's a smart play, but when you want that, like the whole wall plus extra, immig- you know, immigration enforcement officials, plus you're going to deport a whole bunch of people. Um, yeah, it, it seems, it seems insane. <laughs> yes.
2: And it's it just politically, I'm not sure how smart it is in the sense that, Democrats are not going to. They're not going to buy this. They're going to say yeah. no. And ultimately, the Dreamers are a ticking time bomb for this Trump administration right. because right. the last thing they want is. Was it six months or what was the window that he gave the Dreamers before? I think
0: it was six months. I think it was six
2: months. So so he's got to come up with something. And if he gives the Democrats nothing to work with, then it's going to fall back on the Republicans. The Republicans don't want to handle this. So at some point, they're going to. The Dreamers are going to have to to leave. They're going to be kicked out. And this is a political football that's just going to land in his lap, and it's devastating. So of all the issues he should be willing to negotiate on, this right. is it. And I think Democrats would be willing to give him a lot other than the wall. They might yeah. give him the, the numbers. They I don't think they can give him sanctuary cities, but there's a lot in terms of immigration. We might get immigration reform through this. Right. other than the wall it just seems short-sighted uh
0: it, and it seems you it's a weird issue to tie your fate to because it is, like the public opinion polls show that the, dreamers are very po- like the idea of, of targeting kids of illegal immigrants is not a popular idea yes. with the american public um yeah i mean it seems like a it, it, the whole negotiating thing seems like a smart a smart approach but it, yeah it this reveals the extent to which Trump has no background doing this. Do
1: you remember how close we were to thinking that something was actually gonna come of this when he yeah. had that meeting yeah. with Pelosi and right. Schumer? And then and then just out of nowhere. just complete one eighty. I I don't I just don't understand. It makes me head hurt.
2: <laughs> no, this was the one we had this long conversation about how Trump could get major political victories by picking off a few issues with the Democrats. Right. The Dreamers are one he could talk about infrastructure. He could save his presidency. And remember that conversation we said that you know suddenly Democrats liked him. This right. was this was his opportunity, and now he appears to be throwing it away uh, for a hardline interpretation. It feels to me like Stephen Miller. So his yeah, his speechwriter you know abandons yeah. out, but one of them got to him and said double down on this. Mm. Uh and it's it's just it's it's bad politics. It's not stupid, it's just bad politics. Right.
0: Oh. Can we talk about Stephen Miller? It sure. Is, oh it's yeah. the story that came out this oh, week Oh, I about- forgot about that. <laughs> yes. You want to tell? You sent me that story. I
2: don't even re- re- refresh my memory. Oh, this was the track story, right? Some point, <laughs> point in his past. Yes, it yeah,
0: was this long story from the New Yorker or New York Magazine or something about uh, Miller and where he came from. And part of it was an anecdote about in high school. At one point, he jumped on a track during a during a a women's track and field meet. And ran alongside the last, the final leg of like a relay, trying to prove that he was better than women. We
1: well, gotta show them. I mean, That's right. You have to he, assert your dominance. He, so yeah, he did. He said he won. But my favorite
0: part
2: about this story about Stephen Miller is that the White House defended this by saying, "Well, it was, he was—he wasn't running against his own school. It was another team, which, of course, so, makes it all right."
0: So if you want to understand the whole, this is—you were saying that this whole. Uh, Putting your foot down on DACA is bad politics. These are the people it's coming from. Right. It makes sense when you when you think about their worldview that you're going to make a point by running alongside women's high school track team.
1: Well, yeah, I I think the story was that Trump had very, very little input in this particular. um, Was it technically a speech? What was
2: it? His UN speech that Miller Miller wrote, or which one? No, oh, no, DACA. Stuff. Oh, the DACA. Yeah, that's yeah. not surprising that it, it came yes, from Miller, elsewhere. Yeah, it, yeah. I, yeah. No, it, it feels like there still are these two camps within the Trump administration. There's the Tillerson, the Mattis, There's the Ryan camp, and then Stephen Miller is kind of holding on to that Bannonite argument. And right. yeah, it's it's troubling. It's disturbing, and it's uh, it's not crazy, but it's just bad politics. Are there, what do you good?
0: What do you think comes of this? So six months down the road or less than six months now when this deadline comes, are is Trump going to stick with it? Are the Republicans going to let him? Or is it going to be too much of a political hot potato for them to hold on to?
1: Uh, Miller will be replaced by the last remaining general in the, uh, the U.S. <laughs> Army. Um, and then we'll never speak of this again. I, I think to
2: circle back to what we said earlier, I think he's – He's isolated, and all he has is his base, and his base hates DACA, and they he, so he's he's going this is going it's gonna stick DACA's gonna go away. It's gonna be an awful political outcome. It's gonna be bad for the Trump administration. None of this is good, but I can't see a way that he finds himself out of it. It's just he's mm-hmm. he's down the rabbit hole. Oh. All right. Uh, speaking of scary topics, now, this one, I, I don't know about you guys, but this this scared me more than anything this week. So the New York Times last weekend had three reporters that were allowed into North Korea. And so they're uh, – Christoph and then I'm trying to think – I can't remember the name of the other reporter. But they, uh, they wrote a bunch of stories talking about the North Korean perspective on what's going on between the United States and North Korea. And I was shocked by – The degree to which North Koreans have have accepted the fact that there's likely to be a war, there's likely going to be a nuclear exchange, and North Korea will likely win this encounter. Um, So the Kristoff article talks about that. Uh, High school students march in the streets, there's military uniforms everywhere, there are posters and billboards showing missiles destroying the U.S. Capitol. This has been Uh, around for
1: 50 fucking years. Right, okay,
2: but then this week, (laughs) or not this week, but recently over a million North Koreans have signed up to join the Army, to fight the United States. Uh, Aren't they all mandated to be in the Army? Yeah, but in, in addition to those, over a million people have agreed to do this, so... It feels like... I'm
0: confused. The, the work camps were also I'm required sorry. to sign up right. for the military. I'm
1: sorry. They let their political prisoners out?
2: So you have a... So I guess for me, why I found this so troubling is that I was hoping that the North Koreans were the more rational actor in all of this. Yeah, I know Nick. Nice. But it appears they are not. They just assume and accept the fact that there might be a nuclear exchange. So this this concerns me because North Korea is a propaganda machine. And if North Korea is preparing their people... For a nuclear exchange, and Trump is preparing the Americans for a nuclear exchange, this means it's likely to happen. That's, I don't, that's <laughs> I, 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 not a, that's I not feel a good like thing. Those are
1: two different arguments. Talk, talk that you're me down to from away. the ledge. Yeah, you right, need so to I'm, calm down a little bit. <laughs>
0: I did, so, to, uh, to be upfront about it, I, I did not read the article, so I, I don't know. But you should, not they're terrifying. <laughs> my interpretation is, on the surface at least, maybe a little different than yours, which is that. If the uh, if the North Korean people think that we're going to go to war, that, that North Korea and the U.S. are going to end up in nuclear war, that's concerning. But I'm less worried about that than I am about North Korean leadership, right? So, so I, there is an extensive and powerful propaganda machine mm. in North Korea that has long taught that America is the devil and they will die at the hands of North Korea. And that's a great tool for solidifying support. For the Kim regime, right? So that's the sort of thing that you want. You want the people thinking, right? If you right. if you're expecting nuclear war the, with the U.S., mm-hmm. you have the whole national pride, rally around the flag, stand behind the dear leader thing going on. The question is, what's ha- for me at least, what's happening at the upper levels of the North Korean administration? So what they're telling the North Korean people versus what they intend to do may not necessarily be the same thing, and. The other story that was out last week that we talked a little bit about was that the people in the leadership in North Korea are at least trying to reach out and establish some sort of communication. So I don't know that North Korea prepping their own people for nuclear war necessarily means that North Korean leaders are preparing for nuclear war. They can be telling the, the, the people of North Korea that we're all going to end up dead and at the same time be thinking, holy shit, let, what's going on with Donald Trump? We got to get ourselves out of this situation.
1: I agree, Phil preach
2: (laughs) okay okay i understand that argument and i there are times in my own life when i say well let me let me tell my family or my students whatever it is like the worst case scenario in this instance the worst case scenario is nuclear war so that may be the case the north korean leaders may be saying that well maybe we don't have
1: nuclear war but let's prep the public just in case right, They've been that's pre- pre- awful right, they've been prepping the public for since the country was founded like this is always in the front of their mind like, regardless of whether or not you're talking about nuclear war they were always assuming not assuming they were always quote-unquote prepping for some sort of conflict with South Korea and by proxy the United States and you know, probably the the rest of the the Western world in that situation. This doesn't really concern me at all. It shouldn't. It really it should doesn't. terrify you. All right, let the me go to a quote. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, a quote, uh, so from a, a North Korean uh, individual. Quote: "If we have to go to war, we won't hesitate to totally destroy the United States." Explained Moon Haik, uh, a 38 year old teacher visiting an amusement park really there's a lot in there <laughs> i didn't know north koreans had an amusement park to they go to. do they, yeah oh. they have
1: the state mandated amusement park that's what they call work camps <laughs> right. You go to the right. Amusement park. right was so, this so, in in view of his minder like I was, yes okay. yes okay. yes okay.
2: so yeah we take it with a grain of salt but
0: nevertheless so, go ahead so Phil. I, I will uh, so to, to come back towards your concern a little bit um i i this doesn't necessarily worry me that it doesn't make me worry any more or less that n- nuclear war with North Korea is imminent. so I, I I don't necessarily interpret it the way you do. But what it does what does worry me is that this sort of propaganda and that it has that it has so deeply infiltrated North Korean society, makes moderation much more difficult. so I, I don't know that this means that we're going to go to war with them, but, Thinking 20, 50 years down the road, the, the hope that North Korea might moderate or democratize or be less crazy, if you've been telling your people for 50 years that, North, that the U.S. is a great evil and the only way to deal with them is nuking them, it makes it harder for a moderate to come along and say, U.S. isn't, isn't that bad. Let's work with them.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point. The same thing is for the United States. As we talk about Kim Jong-un as this irrational leader that has to be removed, it's, it's harder to, to walk back towards a moderate solution to all of this. I don't know.
1: I, I think that everything of consequence within that country, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, is dependent on the leadership that is currently in place. I think that you can have an extraordinarily effective propaganda machine that puts out this, this perspective and story for generations, and that's a very powerful thing. But the people don't have realistically any power themselves they're under the boot of this regime and it's one thing where you know you again have this story that's that's taught to them from pretty much child uh, from childhood uh, and then thinking that they could ha- make something happen on their own as a population I don't think they have that the capacity to do that and the fact that there are stories about North Korean leadership being, legitimately scared and concerned about what to do about trump says that to me that sounds like they're wavering in their perspective and it's lessening the degree of uh, the likelihood of a conflict i no i i think that's that's well said i know I, I i
2: i feel less comfortable where the rhetoric on this issue has drifted And my fear is always that we're trapped by our own rhetoric, and both sides are using this rhetoric that's hard to walk back from. And I just – for me, it was concerning to see the North Koreans prepping the public for this ultimate outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I think you're both probably right, but, I, yeah, and I hope you are.
1: (laughs) I want to see what that amusement park looks like. Yeah. It's got to be –
2: like six flags kinda good.
1: Yeah, easily. Or, or easily. like nineteen no, I bet it's like nineteen fifties amusement park. I think they've made it up to like the eighties. Maybe even the early nineties now. Every time I see it, there's a lot of neon and just kind of I bet they don't have the car. shoulder pieces, it's still like seat belts. It's all seatbelts. <laughs> seat
2: I don't like seatbelt rides. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right, we we're good.
1: I think is that it? Was that's that it. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow, that flew by.
2: We had one final topic, which was how long – I had I, I prompt, prompted the boys with how long we think humanity is going to exist. Um, it, it, we've been pretty dark already, so we probably don't need to hit that one. Uh-huh. I'm setting the
1: over-under at 12 years. Right. calm down. You can let go of your pearls a little, a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's been – we've been doing this for a year. A year? I cannot believe that. It's great. Um I Thanks. love podcasting. It's, it's, it's very fine. fun. Yeah. It's very fun. Thanks, guys, for, for the past year. Thanks to our listeners um, who, who tune in every week. Um, if you like what you hear or want to share it, um, like us and share us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Barstool Politics uh, on Facebook, Barstool Paul on Twitter, uh, uh, BarstoolPolitics at Yahoo.com uh, for beer suggestions, questions, anything else you want to address. Uh, you can find our beers on Untapped. Uh, download that on your iPhone or Android or whatever other weird phone that you have. Um, and I think that's it. Anything from you guys?
0: No. No. Cheers. Right, Cheers. Thanks. thanks, guys. See you, See next, you next week. week. Yeah.